Hello, and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Zach. And we're talking about Judas and the Black Messiah today. Yeah. Which is a film about Fred Hampton. Had you ever heard of Fred Hampton? No. I had. But he's not a name that most people are familiar with, and I didn't know that much about him. He's, he's someone who comes up online as this kind of, today I learned that after Martin Luther King and after Malcolm X, there was this other mm. black civil rights leader who was shot and killed at the age of 21 in December 1969, a year and a half after Martin Luther King and I think four years after Malcolm X. Only 21 years old, and it's amazing kind of what he achieved in that time. So he mm. was this young civil rights leader and community organiser and activist in Chicago. And what the film dramatises, which I didn't know, is that he brought together uh, organisations of different races into a rainbow coalition. And this was kind of one of the things that made J. Edgar Hoover, head of the FBI, see him as such a threat. Mm. Um, Because ultimately the story goes, although it's kind of never been proven exactly, because these things never are, that his death was an assassination mm. um, at the hands of the FBI, but you know, but, but they didn't come out and say, "Yes, of course we did." I mean, the film definitely uh, posits it as an assassination and offers its own kind of proof at the end. Mm. Yeah, because there was a civil lawsuit brought by the families, and they won. The film was directed by Shaka King. It stars Lakeith Stanfield as Bill, who is the rat essentially. The FBI informant. So he's not presented as a rat. No, and he kind of becomes one. So he starts off as uh, a car thief. In fact, he's dressing as an FBI agent Mm. to shake down black people and steal their car keys. Mm. And when he's caught by the FBI, having done this, he's offered this deal. Uh, The FBI agent is played by Jesse Plemons. Who's wonderful. Who's wonderful. And he has that real, you know, that thing that he has of you you can't trust this guy. There's something Mm. shaky and weird about him. Um... He's basically offered this... It's a Faustian bargain, right? Like, either you infiltrate the Black Panthers, Mm. which Fred Hampton is part of and leading in Chicago, or you go to prison. It's not really a deal he can say no to. I think if that deal had been presented to him after he had full knowledge of what it really involved, Mm. he might have turned it down. Sure, because at the start, he's shown as just someone who's drifting, basically. He's asked by Jesse Plemons... Did you feel bad about Martin Luther King's death, Malcolm X's death? He says, I don't really thought about them, right? And I think he there's a suggestion in there that like he's trying to think of what the right answer is yeah. for the agent. But also, I think there's an element of truth in that, right? Yeah. Because what you see throughout the film is he learns what this organisation is. He learns what being part of an organisation like this means. Yes. And he ends up with kind of sympathy for it. If I could just summarise my responses to the films, yeah, mm-hmm. because I think it's a very interesting film. So my first thought was... You know, isn't it wonderful that we now are getting stories like this, right? And from a black point of view, yeah, it is very much kind of, you know, a black perspective on these events, Mm. uh, which I really welcome. And it was wonderful to see, like, you know, the clothes and the language and Daniel Kaluuya was so charismatic. Yeah, so all of those things kind of, to me, become a pleasure. But then kind of I had doubts that seeped in, yeah? Like, Mm -hmm. I think in some ways... You know, so the film has been really praised, and you know, don't get me wrong, I really welcome, you know, this type of film. But I actually think that the film itself is not very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of it has, uh, uh, well, many aspects are very good, 
Yeah, but some key aspects are to me very problematic. And actually, they all revolve around the Lakeith Stanfield character. Bill. Because, you know, the film is about him. Yeah, he's yeah. the central character. Yeah. And Fred, who's played by Danny Claudia, is important, but not the main yeah. guy. So the film is, is meant to be about Bill, yeah, but is really about Hampton, yeah? Mm. And so what you have is all the narrative drivers are kind of focused on a half-baked character. Yeah, because actually, mm. I don't think you know enough about Bill. Yeah, kind of, what's his family? What's drawing him? You know, does he have a girlfriend? Does he have a partner? What are his desires? You don't know. Mm. Yeah, all you know, I mean, he's just almost like a, a, a necessary plot device. Yeah? yeah, kind of to look in on Hampton's story. Yet, actually, everything about the film hangs on him and his actions. So he's really underdeveloped as a character, and yet he's the central one. The thing about Bill posing as an FBI agent to steal cars is understood to be true sometimes and also not like there are various theories on where he came from and how he was got by the FBI and this sort of thing so like there's an element of he is this background free wild card and that element didn't bother me but what did bother me is is what you said about what are his desires mm. because although I think he starts off with no principles or understanding of what he's getting into and he develops that it's too basic ultimately the conflict within him and still you don't you don't really understand it, it, um, I was thinking as well about uh, The Departed right mm. because the, inf the the um, the rat story you know, the rat elements of the story is obviously shared with that mm. and uh, it made me think about how in The Departed whenever you saw Leonardo DiCaprio with the mob guys and whenever you saw Matt Damon with the police you felt the intensity of the decisions they were having to make in the moment to keep their cover and all that kind of thing. Mm. You felt it every second, and you don't feel that here. There are scenes where you do. There are scenes like where they tell him to hotwire the car to prove that his story about that's mm. what he used to do is true. But most of the time, he is just kind of getting along, and I don't feel the intensity I wanted from, or that I felt would be appropriate from that element of his story. No, and I think, you know, had the film truly been about Bill... And we would have known more of his his life, his background, his sex life, his wishes, you know. Then we would have known more about his development, right? Which I don't think we got enough. Mm. So, you know, you do have moments where, you know, you have... Uh, it signaled a different awareness or, you know, a reluctance to be involved, right? But, you know, there, 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 there is so much possibility there to show self-hatred and revulsion and need and being coerced and being cornered right like mm. what is cornering him why doesn't he just up chuck and move to canada or something right like you know <laughs> he, he really yeah kind of doesn't i mean as far as we're concerned he's kind of being forced to do this but what the forces are that are cornering him you don't really know but feel also i mean you know to push <laughs> it further he knows you know the people he I mean, well, has he come to love these people? I mean, you definitely see a kind of a sense of fondness, right? But it mm. would have been good to know what are now the degrees of fondness or affection for these people that he's now involved with in the Black Panthers. You know, and does he not prefer to spend a year in jail than to have, let's say, they have become friends, than to have all of the friends of his killed? I mean, mm. there's never a moral or ethical or you know, a sense of shame or, you know, he's not a character whose actions you get to understand. 
mm. right? And that is the heart of the film. And I think if you don't understand that, yeah, then the film has a problem. Mm. You know, because actually you do know what drives Kaluuya. You do know what drives his partner, yeah, having a child. Mm. Um, I think the politics are well, but you know why these people are angry and joining the Black Panthers and, yeah, what's involved mm -hmm. in it and what kinds of organization they want. I mean, you know, so I think the politics and you know, all of that comes across really... Uh, well, yeah, kind of, you know, I understand mm. it. And actually some of the speeches and so on, you feel like this prickle because, you know, they move me. I'm, I find all that stuff like quite moving, mm. really. Um, but to me, the film doesn't work. I agree with that. I, I, I felt that was, there was something missing in that as well. I mean, it's very much a genre piece in that respect. It's this genre informant thriller mm. that doesn't fill in all of the details kind of than it needs to it relies actually on the genre to pull it through i don't understand the basic decision because i think had this film been about hampton mm. yeah um yeah with the threat kind of being posed by the informant or actually by one of many informants probably mm. you know um then it would have had a different kind of life you know uh, maybe because well, you know, I'm moved by the struggle, I'm moved by the culture. Mm. You know, Kaluuya is so charismatic in the role, right? Like, mm. you know, that kind of what's at stake for him is so vivid. But actually, by putting the accent on the informant, I think it detracts from all of that whilst, whilst not adding anything, really. Possibly, but I, also, I do think that it would have been very easy had the informant been a secondary character. Um, it would have been very, very easy to dehumanise him and make him into a much more of like a cartoon villain well, and actually the film doesn't do that it doesn't I don't think it fully rounds him enough but it humanises him more than it otherwise would have I think that's true but it does I mean the accent here is on enough right because I think you could have made more of that sense of humiliation of control I mean you know you can use your imagination to say to think of how Bill is a kind of slave Right, and an Uncle Tom, and you know, and mm. yet, you know, he doesn't want to be, he's struggling against that. It's kind of, you know, choices that forces structural forces and organized forces, but outside of your control, corner you into ways of behavior that might repulse you, right? I think all of that could be a really interesting character if that had been the drama of the piece, mm. yeah, but I don't think it is, no. So, um, you know, it, no, it's a lack in the film, that's for sure. But I'm not convinced that, that structuring it with Bill at the centre on paper is the worst decision. You know, I think that's an interesting decision, and I think you still get enough. You get so much out of Fred Hampton, um, mm. and and you know what he believes in. Actually, how someone like Bill could become drawn into that, mm. um, and the appeal of him, all that kind of stuff. I don't like the story. You know, <laughs> uh, if it had been Fred Hampton's story. It would have been a story of struggle and resistance and putting your life on the table, you know, for people's freedom and well-being. It's a heroic story. Yeah, it's a kind of a martyrdom, right? This is, again, I think, you know, a different way of, of defeatism. Yeah, kind of, you know, here's this rat informer, right, who, uh, you know, once he sees a television program about him, is so repulsed by himself that he commits suicide. I mean, you know. I don't know what you mean. Well, the, you know, kind of one, socially, one is a story of heroism, mm. right? And the other one is another story of defeat and suicide. Yeah. 
Right, but I mean, do you think that we're with Bill? You know, I mean, when it comes up at the end, that even after this, because the thing is, you, you get to the end of this story, and he's poisoned Fred, which I think is something that is not established in historical facts, but it's a possibility. He was, I think, he was drugged, but it's not established that Bill did it. Yeah, but, but in the film, it is. So he's poisoned him. He knows what's going to happen. He's given this blueprint of the house to the feds, so they know the layout of the place. They can come in and just kill everyone. He murders them, basically. Um, so yeah, he's absolutely responsible. And at the end, he is crying his eyes out because he knows what he's done and what's going to happen. Um, Boo-hoo. Right. <laughs> right. But, so, but that's, that's, the end of the, that's the end of the story as it's filmed. And then in intertitles at the end of the film, it tells you that he went on, worked for the FBI for another four years or something mm-hmm. into the 70s and made the equivalent today of $200,000 doing it. So you're like, well, if he if he felt that awful and and broken up as the film shows us when he did that, how did he carry on doing it? Right. So I'm not really with him when it says, oh, and then he killed himself. Like I don't feel bad for that guy when he kills himself in 1990. Um, it's not that I feel bad for the guy, but you know, it makes the story into a story of defeat, suicide. You know, well, the story is saw... one of defeat. In you know, I mean, but, okay, the, the, no, fil- the film has inflect, ultimately been made, but Fred can, Hampton you, was murdered. You can inflect defeat in different ways, right? Fred Hampton being murdered is a story of heroism. You know, kind of he was murdered fighting for freedom. It's different than you, you know, committing suicide because you realize you're a weasel. <laughs> I, I do kind of see what you mean, but I'm not, I don't read it as that. I didn't take it as that. I didn't take it as that being the ultimate takeaway from the film. You know, well. Um, so let's focus now on things that are really good, you know. So what I really liked about the film was uh, Hampton's wife, Deborah, I think is her name. Played by Dominique Fishback. Dominique Fishback. I think she's wonderful. And actually, I thought all of those things, because at the end of the film, you have some footage of Hampton speaking, hmm. right? And he's so handsome yeah, and so charismatic. And actually, he looks much older than his twenty. You know, it's meant to be twenty twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. And then Kalua is not handsome, uh, in my view. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought it was wonderful casting. He and Dominique Fishback have such interesting faces. They're not like you know, kind of uh, a magazine uh, pretty faces. Yeah, they kind of they're like real people, and you get involved with them, uh, and you find them beautiful through character, in very interesting ways. I loved. You know, the whole discourse of oppression and freedom and kind of, you know, why it's important to organize and fight. And actually, it's shocking that this kind of rather feels amazing in an American kind of, yeah, mainstream, mm. relatively big budget film. Yeah, it's, I think it cost $28 million. I think what's interesting about the, the speechifying and, and the, the ideology and stuff, what's interesting about Hampton that comes across in the film is that he's so... Uh, pragmatic about it. So actually, what drives him, uh, or at least what from what he says, it really doesn't come across as ideological to me. When I think about films about Martin Luther King, and even actually you know, Martin Luther King's actual speeches, right? I have a dream. Mm-hmm. It's this ideal, you know, idealism or what could be. Um, and I think when uh, when Fred Hampton goes to the whites leftist sort of with the confederate flag up so these guys aren't racist straight out but they've got a confederate flag up and they say this thing which is a very modern uh or refers to a very 
modern, modern discourse mm. on the Confederate flag and how mm. no 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 the Confederate flag isn't racism it just reflects my heritage and that's something we've been seeing mm. you know with with Confederate statues and things like that for the last few years in America very actively and I think it's invoking that discourse very deliberately and knowingly but Fred goes to these people and he talks to them about about culture and there's a great thing about how if your house is on fire and you need water to put it out someone asks you what's your culture my culture is water and so would yours be. If you're starving, my culture's food, and so would yours be. Right. So this thing about actually, there's no like it's what what brings these people together is ignoring what he conceives of as more surface level ideas. What what draws us together is poverty and basic needs, and I think you get this real feeling for why that was able to draw together groups of disparate races into something very strong. Mm. Which, which is something that I don't associate. That, that, like I say, pragmatism is something that I don't associate with narratives around these other civil rights leaders so much. With Malcolm X, you know, the, the, the kind of, I suppose, the traditional, if you like, sort of difference between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X is that Martin Luther King was about peace and Malcolm X was about violence. And there's obviously something very practical, in a sense, about violence. But this is different, right? This is about like putting aside differences and just aiming at actual practical solutions. Mm. I think that's interesting. Well, it is interesting, though. You know, I felt like uh, um, some of the discourses, like uh, he's given money to escape, right? Mm. Uh, and to go to Cuba or Algeria. And he says, no, because with this money, we, you know, we could build, you know, a medical center that will save thousands of lives. You know, my first thought is, what a fucking country is the U.S.? <laughs> yeah, the kind of can't afford health care for its people. Yeah, that it has to become kind of, you know, this kind of trade-off, right? Uh, and then it made me think that, you know, all of these structural oppressions against such a huge percentage of its population, you wonder why don't people organize and throw bombs? I mean, they should, in my view. You know, if there's a basic kind of injustice, the police beatings and mass, mass shootings and, you know, just that absolute racism, this killing of a population, you know, because of a difference of color in their skin, they should rise up, is my view. If you're thinking just logically, that's where logic leads you. <laughs> of course, you can't say those things publicly because, you know, there's all these kinds of censorship involved yeah, at kind of all levels, including like a, a personal one. You know you'll get in trouble if you say these things. Yeah, but the film gives it as a kind of logic, really. Yeah, and I think that's, to me, the value of the film. Mm. Uh, but also, it is ideal, you know, so I think kind of, and I think you can't minimize, you know, the value of, I, we need ideals, you know, it's kind of, you know, I mean, the idea of social justice is an ideal, it's not a reality, mm. right? But it's definitely kind of things that kind of drive people to at least attempt to, to realize it. Yeah, and I think you do see that as well in, in the film. I mean, you know, there is a sense in the film that... So unlike what I'm talking about, the structure of the characters, I think actually the film has struck a very good balance in putting forth these ideals and actually having the anger there, yeah, but not not making it the driving force you know, for Hampton. Hmm. Yeah, you don't know what drove him to be an activist. It could have been something terrible, right? But all you know is that you know, he's seeking social justice. Yeah, and he, and he conceives of it as a war, right? Which leads to that great bit where his girlfriend, who's pregnant at this point, kind of pleads with him to think about his child and the fact that if he continues the way he is, 
he'll be bringing his child into a state of war. That's kind of how he lives, and he thinks of every day as this continuing war, um, which which is not ideal. Mm. Um, and so I think you kind of you can see the idea that ultimately he, he wants social justice, and he wants people to work together, and he wants his people to rise up and have a place, and have rights, and so on. But he so rarely, you so rarely see him speak about it in, in those terms, though. You know, you do see him speak about it in, in like I say, practical terms or or this 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 ongoing war, mm. as opposed to something which has an end. Mm. Um, well, we know for a fact that it's, you know, I mean, one, one of the things that you pointed out is how, how so many of the situations are really a commentary on the current conditions and what, you know, what we've seen in the news over the last two years, right? Mm. So, you know, these are discussions that are kind of culturally ongoing in the United States and that the film is reflecting from another era, but that obviously rhyme and evoke kind of ours, right? So that in itself shows like that the struggle is an ongoing one, right? Things haven't changed. No, absolutely. But he doesn't speak of it. Maybe in in the first speech, which I must say, he speaks very quickly. I didn't catch a lot Mm. of some of what he said. Um, But he didn't seem to conceive of what he was doing as something that could have an end mm. you know which is not to say that he wants it to go on but he just conceives of it as saying that will be ongoing mm. which for all the kind of pragmatism that I'm talking about is an op- in opposition to that I think because um, for someone who who I think comes across as pragmatic you would think that that would lead to a solution ultimately or rev- resolution or some I don't know um I'm not. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not the opposition that I think it is, or maybe it's interesting. I can't. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, you know, that to me, the film offers very interesting discussion points. You know, but as a film, and it has some wonderful performance. I think Haluya is amazing. Um, as is the F. Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. The FBI agent. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they, they both really stand out and are wonderful. And I love uh, the cinematography, actually, by um, Sean Bobbitt. I thought that was superb, actually. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of beautifully lit and evocatively lit. Mm. Um, you know, the only dash of colour that you get of brilliant colors, actually that Confederate flag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a film that offers a lot of really interesting uh, 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 conversation points, but it, as a work of art, it, for me, it fails. Yeah. Mm. And so, um, you know, I don't understand kind of... I don't think it fails as much as The Five Bloods did, though, in that respect, which was much more didactic. Yes, so telling you what it thought and that sort of thing. This offers actually what this. I think what a lot of what this offers is the the opportunity to see the story told of someone who deserves to have their story told and hasn't. I think there have been a couple of TV movies about Fred Hampton, a documentary, a book. But you see, that makes me wish that the film had been about Fred Hampton. No, I know what you mean, but it's not like he wasn't central. He just wasn't as central as Bill. (laughs) Well, he's not the central character. So, of course, he is, you know, the next most important character, you know, but kind of, you know, I, 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 I don't like the structure that this is really the story of the informant that got Fred Hampton killed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a stupid... Mistake. I think that's the way, and I think it's a film that probably would have been hard to get made if you hadn't structured it that way, because you structure it this way and it becomes this genre piece. 
and it becomes about the informant. And mm, and I, I, think I think that's the, what gets you the money to make it. I don't know. I mean, I think to structure it this way is a sellout and it's a kind of a contribution to uh, defeatism and failure and suicide. I don't like it. It's not about defeatism. I mean, it is about defeat, but it's about, you know, the, they eventually got this film made about Fred Hampton. Of course it was defeat. Fred Hampton was murdered, assassinated. No, but that's a heroic... Right? We finally... That, that's a heroic story. Ish. This, it, this he, well, he, he was of, murdered in bed. This is. I mean, this, they broke into his house and murdered him in bed. It wasn't a heroic death. It was, because actually it's his actions that led to that death. Yeah, it's his actions that led the FBI, you know, and and uh, the state's attorney's office and so on to collude into murdering yeah, a person. So it is a heroic death. It's actually it's what you did that kind of, mm. you know, the forces of the state kind of, you know, kill you for. Right. And what he did was an attempt at social justice. You can't not agree yeah, with kind of what his aims were. Mm. Right? So it's a heroic death. Being a weasel you know, is not a heroic death. And the story is about the weasel. I, I don't um, sympathise with that point of view, really. I don't. So we will. I, 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 <laughs> the weasel is not a rich enough character. I completely agree with that. I felt the same thing. But I don't agree that the structure was a problem. I think that's why the film fails. You never understand what is, you know, de facto the central character. You know, I would have liked to film directly about Hampton. Uh, but, you, you know, you may be right. If you do it, it might never have been made, right? I mean, the, you know, there is language and situations and, you know, definitely uh, and the point, even the point of view. I mean, the point of view, you know, has, is becoming more um, available. You know, to have films from a black perspective is certainly not as unique as it was, you know, kind of 30 years ago. So, you know, but it's still wonderful to see. But actually, you know, just some of the dialogue and the phrases, the quoting of Che Guevara, you know, the talk about revolution, you know, all of that stuff, you almost never see it in an American film. Mm. So, you know, that is definitely to be welcomed. And that might also be, you know, something that if the story had been directly about that, it might not have been made. You know, so that I grant you as a possibility. They snuck in. They snuck in all of that under the guise of the departed. But I think the film, you know, would have been uh, much more successful. It would have, uh, you know, addressed audiences more directly in a more emotional level if it had been clearer in its focus and if that focus had been on Hampton. That may be true, but it's um, gone down extremely well. Yeah, so there's no denying that people are responding to it probably mm. as it wants to be responded to and that sort of thing. And it's been Oscar nominated yes. for Best Picture. So, um, yeah. Just look up the small things that I liked. I think the title's great because it's a title that makes you think it's it's going to be this black pride, you know, this great guy. And, of course, there's an element of, you know, the black messiah that that's mm. it is. But it's interesting that in the context of the film, black messiah, as a phrase, is used by J. Edgar Hoover. Mm. played by Martin Sheen mm. so it's not this thing about this great guy who's going to come and unite everyone mm. and blah 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 it's this thing about this guy that the FBI is scared of mm. terrified of that this guy will emerge mm. that's can, interesting can I interject here played very poorly by Martin Sheen <laughs> yeah who's wearing what looks like a plastic head you know <laughs> completely inexpressive hiding his face you know and yet doesn't offer much it's, it actually I think is a casting that detracts from the role. I would have preferred to have had somebody anonymous 
you know, rather than to have, mm. you know, Martin Sheen's uh, very recognizable and rather flat voice come out of that mask. He looks like Dustin Hoffman in um, Hook. <laughs> to me. Like, Dustin Hoffman in Hook was a million times more interesting. Yeah. But it, it, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing was, um, I thought it was interesting... Uh, there are there are these there are a few elements of mirroring in the film, and one of them is this one right at the start of Bill dressing as this FBI agent and then becoming one, mm. right? And so he's undercover in two ways, opposite ways early on. Um, the other thing I noticed, which I like, was the first speech you hear Fred give. He's been invited to a school, I think, that's been renamed Martin Luther King yes. Junior High School or University, something like that. And he says, yeah, 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 that's all well and good, but this isn't real for it. You know, and he's like, he says, basically, and that's when he meets his future girlfriend. He says, mm. you know, I like your speech and everything, but maybe don't tell everyone that they're fucking wasting their time straight away. <laughs> you know, yes. and then at the end, he's the one who says, take this money, build a medical center with it and name it after Jake, who's one of the guys who seems got in a fight with the police and died. Mm. Name it after him so that when people think of his name, they'll think of healing and health. Mm. And so this thing about naming, not important, becomes important to him. You see, like in the film, if the film had been the Fred Hampton story as opposed to Judas. (laughs) 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 Anyway, we should wrap it up. So I think it's a really good film. Yeah, entertaining, good to see. I don't really mind, yeah. I think it's a mediocre film about an important issue with some very impressive performances and beautiful lighting and, and wonderful use of music. And an important person. Yes. So the story deserves to be told. Yeah, so I really recommend that people see it, you know, though um, it'll lead to brilliant conversation, but don't expect a work of art. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, at eavesdropmovies, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Yes. And again, if you like, please retweet. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. It will be, it'll be a lovely help. Yes. <laughs> and we'd appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. And Kalu's casting, it's interesting that we haven't commented on that because we've said he's brilliant, and he is brilliant, and I think he's just one of these greats. Mm. Um, but... You know, he's 10 years older than... And it's an issue. He's 10 years older than, than Fred Hampton was. And he's English. And we've spoken before about English actors taking on these American roles, particularly black English actors mm. taking on American roles where the kind of cultural specificity of being black in America is not the same as being black mm-hmm. in Britain. Was that an issue for you? It wasn't. I mean, I did think about it. Yeah. Um, I do think that there are just things that if you grow up in a culture you just absorb and reproduce and know of right and there's only so much active learning Mm. that someone can do in a very short period of time to fill out a whole cultural history yeah and attitudes and you know ways of speaking and so on um so those two things that cross my mind what i did think actually was that the film would have been again more interesting if it had been cast younger yeah, mm. I don't know how old Kalua is. He's he's thirty two. Thirty two, and he looks thirty two. Yeah. Mm. So I think if you had made this film about twenty year olds, mm. yeah, uh, it would have been a very different kind of film, and I think uh, to me a more interesting one, mm. right? Because 
I mean, I don't know how old the informant would have been there, but if he was around the same age, then kind of you, you're just coming out of adolescence and into adulthood and you're black men, right, with all of that, that Im- involves and related with the relations with the police, kind of, you know, young men. He would have right? been 19 or so. He would have been 19. You see, that becomes a whole other set of issues and much more understandable and can, you know, brings in a different kind of drama, right, if it's played that that much younger. Yeah, so absolutely. The fear, actually, that a 19-year-old would have in that situation with the FBI informant, exactly. like with the FBI uh, agent. Yeah, you know, with, with testosterone raging and things. Mm. I mean, it, it, I think it's a mistake. You definitely don't feel it from either of them that they are the age they're supposed to be. No. No. 